0: Nick Wilde and quite frankly I hope to go to Disneyland Shanghai when the Zootopia land is open specifically so that I can Nick meet Nick Wilde in the flesh. You're terrifying. I'm terrifying. Yeah. Raise your hand if you love Nick Wilde. We're going to get so many hate comments.
1: Are you in favor of adding Zootopia then to Animal Kingdom? No, absolutely not. Okay, okay. So the horniness doesn't overpower the good (laughs) sense.
0: No, oh, a thousand percent. Because you know what? Zootopia is more of like a Magic Kingdom land. Like it is, it's mostly because Zootopia as a film, the environment is like, mm, almost like Main Street fantasy land was a mix of Tomorrowland, like, because they're in the city and everything. And I, I don't know. I just think that Animal Kingdom was so well thought out. Yeah. With its execution that, like, adding anything extra to Animal Kingdom now, especially after Joe Rohde has left the company, is going to be, it's not going to fit in. Mostly because there was so much care and thought that went into
1: this land. Or this I, park. Yes. I feel like there was about zero thought put into the new Kite tails. Poor Kite tails. <laughs> oh, my God. I know we already <laughs> talked about this and then in our failed recording attempt, but... I'm so happy for the CMs and the
0: entertainers that they get to entertain and, like, make guests happy again. However, they did them dirty when it came to those puppets. They look like origami, but flat. Yeah, I know. The monkey on the stick. The monkey on the – it was – which I'm pretty sure was supposed to be King Louie as a flat form. Yikes.
1: Yeah. He didn't look very majestic. No, he sure did not. He did not. My week feels like the blue kite just crashing into the bleachers.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I personally identified with the show quite a lot. <laughs> uh, very valid. Cause I, now that you say that, I do have to say that I feel like King Louis rolling <laughs> um, on his back. Also <laughs> me, but also just being flat by being someone holding his with a stick. Also me.
1: It's like there's no, no body left in you. You're just crushed and on a stick.
0: I'm just crushed. Like, I, my puppeteer is doing really well right now. Welcome to an extremely goofy podcast. <laughs> my name's Lexi. I'm Ashlyn. <laughs> and we're going through it. It's just-, just one of those weeks, you know? Right. It's one of those weeks. At least we... We'll have a, okay, not at least, but we'll have a comeback. And yeah, no, I mean, not someday. I just, at least our comeback isn't going to take like over a billion dollars,
1: a new CEO. Oh, you're always so clever with your segues. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing.
0: I lost the rest of it though. So I'm glad that you knew where I was going with. And
1: basically, anytime you talk now, I'm like, this must be a segue. (laughs)
0: Everything is a segue. Everything can be made a segue if you think hard enough.
1: Mm. Well, this week, we are talking about the second half of the Imagineering series, episodes four through six.
0: Which I am so glad that we came this far. Um, Last week, I think we talked about how Ash had so many reservations about starting and watching this miniseries in the first place and i am happy to know that i've received a text on monday evening saying how much you loved imagineers imagineering
1: oh, yeah. yeah i'm really glad that you made me watch it it was amazing yeah it just like I, there's so much to it that I love. Like obviously, I love the Disney history of it, but I feel like they also said so many things in the episodes that I just like really connected with, and that I haven't heard someone explicitly say before about Disney Parks. Yes,
0: not just for the meaning of like imagineering for for those who've like worked under it, but like what it meant for the park. The Imagineering team has done nothing but work through hurdles and hurdles and hurdles. Um, to present something that we love and are so connected to.
1: That's actually a great way to segue into the one note that I have written on this piece of paper, which says (laughs) darkness, darkness ripples through Imagineering in different times in different ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. The last half of
0: Imagineering
1: really spotlighted on that. Um,
0: And I feel like currently Imagineering is going through a, Dark time,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, look at Kite Tales, Kite Tales. Whatever's going on there,
0: <laughs> right? Like, mm, what is that? Where is the money going into Disneyland Shanghai?
1: Probably. Uh, probably. I mean, I don't. That's that's a really good point because I don't understand. Like, I saw somebody on Twitter today who said that they've heard that Imagineering actually has a really high budget right now, and it's like, okay, if that is the case. If they have a really high budget, then, like, where are we?
0: Do we have a really high budget because um, Galactic Star Cruiser is being built and they're funneling all of the money into Galactic Star Cruiser? That could be.
1: That's a good theory.
0: Like, I just... um, I don't know. And, like, obviously there are a lot of things that we're not going to be seeing overnight. But Disney is known to have these really great um, entertainment displays throughout the day. Obviously, they're night shows, which we haven't really seen, I guess, quite lately. I feel like there has been a lot of discussion about just how poorly, like, midday... Parade, and I've always hated a midday parade. I really, you're not not a three o'clock parade girl. I'm not a three o'clock parade girl, mostly because the best part about the parades to me, I think, is like when it's like all it up and like just pretty.
1: I actually agree. Um, I like all parades, however, my favorite moment that I fear I will never experience again is the brief second that used to exist whenever they turned off all the lights on Main Street right before Main Street Electrical came in. Yes. There was this brief second where everything went dark and you could see the stars so bright, and then Mm -hmm. it just comes to life. And they have the voice where it's like, Disney or is
0: proud to present you the Main Street Electrical parade. It gets me every single time. It used to get me every single time. And I have the track saved to my Spotify And my iPhone, like the actual track, the MP3 saved.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's such a powerful moment. And it's been so long since they've had a nighttime parade. Yeah. which I mean, it's been probably five years or something, maybe more. Disney World? Like they had it in 2013 whenever I worked there. And I feel like it ran.
0: I know that they had, um, let's see, when I had gone a couple of years ago, um it was maybe four years ago. When I had gone like three or four years ago, it it was just a fireworks show. There was no parade, I don't think. Um, at least a nighttime parade. But at Disneyland, when my partner and I had gone four years ago, there was a nighttime parade.
1: Oh yeah, I've um What's that called? Paint something? Or maybe not. Yes.
0: It was It was paint something. I don't remember what it was, but it was for the 60th anniversary. No, I lied. Definitely lied. It was for... Paint the night. Paint the night. It was paint the night. And my partner and I had were dating for like a year at that point. And um, he knew how much I loved Disney. And we planned out this trip. And we had gone to Disneyland because we were already in L.A. Um, and we had gone to Disneyland and because I was not familiar with where the parade starts at California Adventure, we ran across the entire park (laughs) multiple times because I thought that the one end of the park
1: was the beginning. It was not. And you have to be at the beginning. You
0: have to be at the beginning or else you lose so much time. You lose Mm -hmm. so much time and like you lose a lot of steam. So you have to be at the beginning. That was the one thing my father did teach me is how to get a good, like, sitting spot during a Disney parade. But after the parade, my partner looked at me and he was and he said, I have never seen you this happy in your life.
1: Oh,
0: I was like, that is a very sad
1: statement. (laughs) Oh, God, you know what? You're right. (laughs)
0: But you're right. Like, there is nothing that gets me more, that gives me more serotonin than um, being at Disney and witnessing a nighttime Disney parade.
1: Yeah. It's stuff like that that I really miss about, I mean, current day, at least Disney World. Yeah. And it does make me feel like Disney World, at least, is, like, really in a um, dark time. (laughs)
0: No, Disney World, I feel like, is definitely in a dark time. I think what we've witnessed watching Imagineering is that the Imagineers always have, like, a really low period. And I keep on bringing up Galaxy's Edge, but at this point, in 2021, Galaxy's Edge is, like, three years old. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's still innovative and new and amazing. And pretty. And pretty, Right, and immersive, and a great, wonderful experience, a thousand percent, but there's like always that little back of my mind that's asking, just like Walt would say to his group of Imagineers, okay, so what's next? hmm Like, what are we getting? Because it doesn't seem like we're getting anything new, or great, or innovative, or something that is up to the Imagineering name.
1: Yeah. Watching this docuseries made me feel a little better about the current state of Disney parks because it did make me realize, like, okay, this is a cyclical thing. There Mm -hmm. are bad times and good times. And it seems like, you know, it's sort of like the
0: circle of
1: life. Yeah, I just feel like the pendulum swings, like, both directions. So I'm I'm hopeful it's going to swing back because it seems like it always does.
0: It seems like it always does. I think... Maybe we're just getting ourselves a little bit too down, a little bit too depressed, but I also think a little depressy <laughs> a little depressy. Um, a little shot of realism with a little shot of depressy on the side.
1: I felt like there were a lot of themes in this series that were applicable to today's Imagineering, okay, even though there were things that happened you know, fifty years ago. okay they talked about in one of the episodes, how Disney kind of lost its way for a while. And they kind of went from being like a castle park to an entertainment company, to a retail company to like, you know, whatever else. And that wasn't really who they were. Yeah. And I kind of feel like Disney is doing that now because I feel like they're pushing streaming so hard. Mm hmm. I feel like Disney's kind of trying, and I understand that it's the effect of the pandemic, but I feel like they've tried to kind of like pivot away from like, we are a castle park company to we are a streaming network, which yes, a thousand percent because they're putting their, they,
0: I I completely understand needing to put their money into obviously what is going to give them payoff on their investment. But I think it was something that Bob Iger had said, In Daddy Bob. You are a Bob Iger stan. Which Imagineering made me realize that, like, Bob Iger was the closest thing to a savior to Disney right? that we could have asked for.
1: I am, like, an early stage Bob Iger fan. Yeah. Like, I think what he did with California Adventure, great. Mm -hmm. I... I honestly think buying Star Wars and Marvel was good. Like, um, I think it just made sense, especially since they were, yeah. they had partial ownership of, you know, some of the IP. Of yeah, the- they were, like, so tied into those franchises that yeah. I think it made sense to buy yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm. Same for Pixar as well. Like, him saving Pixar and yes. really, really putting that under the belt, like, for Disney, I think, was so great. Because, yes, when Bob Iger came, there was that time of animation that... People like to forget about. I love that time of animation of the Disney animated movies. But
1: anyway. I think we just like the stuff that no one else likes. I don't mean to sound like we're Disney hipsters. No.
0: Yes. Like no one gives enough credit to Emperor's New Groove. um, Fantastic movie. Hilarious. Holds up still. Oh, yeah. Like... Obviously, there's things that are wrong with it. However, like, it's a hilarious movie. I think it's so good. It's so funny. Treasure Island. Like, really tre- good. Treasure Island was so good. And Atlantis was so good. Oh, I love Atlantis. I love Atlantis. They definitely did not have to make Chicken Little. Yeah. Definitely did not have to make um, Cows Come Home. Your face just poof.
1: I'm sorry. It's because I got work emails. It's okay. I like knew that, and I was like, oh no, no, no. I got I got a work email, and someone called me Ashley, which is like, oh, no. <laughs> not my name. No, please, please.
0: The name is in the email. Literally, there is no greater disrespect than someone misspelling or like not getting my name right when it is fully in my email. It's literally right in front of you. <laughs> Come on. Get it together. Um, Uh, Anyway, Bob Iger was the closest thing to a savior to Disney. And like not even the fact that he brought in all of this IP, but he specific like during his interview, he had said the first couple of years of my tenure was literally just trying to fix what had been done in the years before.
1: And I loved what he said, too, whenever he was like, we don't have to be ashamed of what's happened, but we also don't have to have any reverence for it. We can just, like, move forward. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is a really good perspective to have. Mm -hmm. I felt like there were a lot of good, like, nuggets in here about, like, just life. They talked about how Imagineering has this culture of failure where it's like we should expect that we're going to fail. And if we're not failing, then we're not trying hard enough. Right. I was like, man. I, I need to just incorporate that into my life.
0: No, a thousand percent. And I wholeheartedly agree with that idealism, with that idea of expecting to fail, because yeah. then that means that they're not pushing the button hard enough. And I feel like yeah. Disney, of like modern day Disney, under the leadership of J-Pack, um, is going through the same thing that had happened um, when Eisner was the CEO where leadership is going to expect people to buy into it because it's Disney. And that being said, they're just going to continue to put out things that look like they align with Disney Imagineering culture um, and what looks like would connect to park and Disney fans. But if you're like really, really looking into it, it's, not necessarily the case like yes like we're going to consume it because it's disney but does it is it like speaking in the perspective that we've been hitting on over the last couple of weeks where it's like is this really affordable is this really worth it at this point is being a disney fan worth it is going to the parks worth it right now i think that there is a large chunk of the disney community that's very much like it's not worth it anymore It's not worth it at the current stage that it's at right now.
1: Yeah, Um, you're absolutely right. They covered kind of like this large period of time in Imagineering where it seemed like the business people were really trying to control Imagineering more than they should have been. And this is, like, the period where Imagineering did California Adventure, and it was, like, incredibly kitschy and just kind of, like, off-the-shelf rides and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Hong Kong Disneyland, so whenever it opens with, like – it's, like, a complete copy of um, Disneyland, not even Disney World, Disneyland. With even less. Mm-hmm. it's like It's, like, a half-day park. And they even said in the episode that it's half of the budget for half of the product. Right. And like they made
0: such a point to repeatedly say that during Eisner's leadership, like, yes, they opened up a bunch of these parks, but they were underwhelming and Mm -hmm. they weren't up to Disney standards. Right. And it's that same circular, circular thing where it's, We're currently in the time period where money is being put into things, into experiences, into merchandise, into anything half-heartedly because people are still going to consume it. But that's not necessarily fair. That's not fair. It's not fair to the Imagineers. It's not fair to consumers.
1: Yeah, I feel like what we're experiencing right now is just like a total echo of the 90s or early 2000s, whenever this was. And it's kind of interesting, because whenever Eisner first took over as CEO, he was like, Imagineering is where it's at. Mm -hmm. These are the best people like we have to like, keep this safe and nurture it. But at the same time, I think he had like a fundamental misunderstanding about how people in Imagineering worked best. Because he even said in the documentary, um, oftentimes financial control encourages creativity. Yes. If you put a box around creative people, that makes them more creative. And that's a nice sentiment, but I feel like we saw again and again and again with California Venture and Hong Kong Disneyland that that didn't work. No, If and you put with, more financial control around them, it actually makes them
0: less creative. Right, because there's no room, there's no financial room to grow. And yeah. when businessmen are leading with profits instead Mm -hmm. of the fundamental idea that Disney is a creative company, was a creative company before it became this giant entertainment conglomerate. They're leading with money and not with the same values. Definitely.
1: Yeah, they even said how imaginary seems to be difficult for business-minded people to, like, wrap their brains around because the creativity principles of Imagineering where it's, like, we're just going to be the most innovative we can, we're going to fail a lot, which is going to waste a lot of money. Yep. We're not going to, like, prototype. We're just going to, like, make one. And, like, if it works, great. If not, oh, well. That kind of stuff doesn't align with um, an income statement and a balance sheet.
0: No. It doesn't allow – it doesn't have any room for it. Um, There's a bug
1: on my paper. No.
0: No, I just there's a very specific part of I think it's the 4th or the 5th episode where um during the last uh dark time of the parks I think it was um it was someone but they had mentioned that through this time that they had lost a ton of diff- like incredibly talented Imagineers due to um Leadership control, like how leadership was reacting to what Disney was proceeding with. Um, and it just like hit so close to home. Back to the Joe Rody thing. I was
1: gonna say,
0: Not Back to the Joe Rody thing, right? Um, where all of these great individuals are are being lost in Imagineering or putting profits over the very baseline value of what Disney, of what makes Disney so great. And that is the creativity and the innovation that comes out of their Imagineers.
1: I, you know, a lot of big companies kind of have like sort of like a skunk works unit where it's like, they're just there to like innovate and try crazy stuff. And they're probably mostly just going to burn through a lot of money, but like maybe something cool will come out of it. And I just, I wonder if like Disney views Imagineering like that, where it's kind of like, this is probably going to cost us a lot of money, but the upside is really great if they come up with something good, or if they just view them like another department that needs to just like fall in line with the budget, you know?
0: Yeah. And I feel like currently it's very much on the budget side. Um, I think so too. Not even because of what Imagineering is coming out with, but just the way that the park is being handled, the parks are being handled right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I tried to, like, clarify that, too, in the last episode. It's not that I think Imagineering is doing a bad job right now. It's just right. that I think they're not being given, like, the resources and the ability to, like, really showcase what they can do. Exactly. Like, there's
0: no limit to the amount of creativity that can come out of an incredibly talented group of people. However, when that incredibly group of talented people are being... Um, guided by a dollar sign that can really hinder on, you know, the process and, like, mm-hmm. what the end result is going to be. We saw that with Galaxy's Edge. Imagineering is was an amazing docu series to kind of, like, bring us back to those roots. But yeah. at the same time, like, when it first came out, it was a little bit happier, I guess, Watch it. it was like a little bit of a happier time watching it because it was just so magical, and like obviously, with all of the Disney history, um, and seeing like what the Imagineers could do, to now, um, to a year or two later, where we've seen all of these changes to Disney World, to the parks that are being led by the budget, mm-hmm. um, and re watching the docuseries now. While yes, like still magical, still great, really made me realize what is missing at Disney right now.
1: Yeah, because you see the full arc of this thing from Walt being like, you don't need to worry about the budget. We'll just find more money. Right. You know, what are you going to do tomorrow? I don't care what you just did today. Right. To, you know, what happened with Eisner, where it was like, you have half of the budget. Good luck making a park. To Iger...
0: Openly saying, I know it's going to be expensive, but we have to do this. Yeah. To, like, very similar to Walt, like, in the early days to
1: now to JPAC running the parks on a budget. I wrote this down because I felt like this was just very interesting. But they talked about whenever they had um, Paul Pressler as the Disneyland president and how he was, like, this merchandising guy who didn't understand like the essence of Disney and like the tribal knowledge that Disney had. um, Yeah. Disney Imagineering had. And I feel like that's literally what's happening with JPEG. Yeah. Like he spent his career at Heinz in marketing Mm -hmm. and then he like moved into Disney and like ended up chairman of parks. And like, I feel like even though he spent that time working for Disney before he was CEO, it still just seems like he's able to run Disney the same as he could run any other company. Like, I don't feel like there's anything about him that's like...
0: Disney is no longer being run by someone who understands
1: Disney. That's what it is. With Michael Eisner and with Iger, I felt like they both, at their core, really loved Disney. To go back
0: to Eisner, and I do have to say, and he even said it, if Wells was still there, the rest of Eisner's tenure as CEO... Would not have run the way that it did.
1: I totally agree. Yeah. I want justice for Michael Eisner um, because number one, I feel like he's marred by this huge tragedy in his life. Yes. Because Wells, yes, a thousand percent had the same love and had the
0: same drive that Eisner did. But Eisner lived at WED. He lived with the Imagineers. While- Wells
1: kind of just needed to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I think Wells was more of a business guy. And Michael was kind of more of the, like, fun one that was interested in the creative stuff. Yeah. And then once Wells passed – Michael had to like, pick up the slack for that. So then instead of just like trying to, you know, meld the two personalities and two skill sets, I think he just went too hard on the on the business side. Yeah, because he I felt like to me, it was like he needed to figure out how to do this
0: when he didn't necessarily have to figure it out before.
1: Yeah. The other thing is I used to hate Michael Eisner. I feel like like most other Disney history fans, like I read the book Disney Wars whenever I was in high school, which talks all about how like Michael Eisner was terrible and like almost bankrupted the company and like had to be ousted by the shareholders. Yes. So I like walked away from that book. And I was like, Okay, Michael Eisner is terrible, an absolute dark spot on the Disney legacy. Mm -hmm. But then fast forward to whenever I'm in business school, and I'm like reading these case studies. And it's like, okay, you're a CEO and like, this is what you're working with. Like, you know, what are you going to do next? And all of the lessons from it were basically like expand into other product lanes, try to go international with it. You know, like all of these things that we see Eisner do, like he starts buying sports teams. Mm -hmm. He tries cruise lines, he tries parks abroad. And it's like, oh, he was actually just kind of like following the manual right? and it didn't work out because he wasn't
0: necessarily, because that wasn't in his core. Yeah, and yeah. that's fine. That is all fine and well. It's the
1: culture of imagineering. We fail sometimes. Exactly, that's right. <laughs>
0: right? Like we figure it out, but now we're not getting that. Or now we're not getting that. Okay, no, it's fine. We'll figure it out. We're getting underfunded. What I feel like is underfunding for projects that can be amazing. That can like have an amazing end result if there was just more thought and money going into it. Hmm. And maybe I shouldn't even say money, right? Because I don't necessarily know how what like the details of the financials are, but I just feel like there's something that's holding Disney back outside of what the changes are that JPEG has like done to Disney World and Disneyland, but we're just missing that like spark of creativity. We're in like um, imagination. Yeah. And I don't want to say that spark of imagination. I just think that it's like that spark of
1: support. Yeah. I think I think it's a lack of support. Lock, it's it's a lack
0: of support. I see you ruminating.
1: I'm just thinking. I mean, it's like <sighs> There are examples that I think are are good. Like I think – I talked about this last week too. But like I think Space 220 looks really cool. I like their restaurant. Right. I want to eat in space. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, also if you look at Epcot and like where the refurbishment plans started and then where they are now, right. it's laughably bad.
0: <laughs> it's not at all what we were expecting when all of the press releases came out um you know as they continue to give us like all this information about new projects
1: yeah we were supposed to get a mary poppins ride that's not happening we were supposed to get like moana water gardens i don't know if that's happening or not i haven't heard a peep about that not heard festival anything about building that. to try to like house all of our craft that happens all year round and make people come to epcot because otherwise they don't want to they only come to drink that's <laughs> I have to fit in my how I hate Epcot. Like, really, though?
0: Like, what? It's true. And, like, I don't mind Epcot. It's a nice walking park. Yeah. like, what Epcot was was supposed to be, you know, not really there. And I'm looking at, like, what we currently have going on for Imagineering. And, like, you mentioned all of – Um, or rather you mentioned like all of the upgrades that we were supposed to get for Epcot. Um, The only thing that we've got to look forward to um, up until 2023 is Disney Enchantment in Magic Kingdom, which I believe is a new nighttime spectacular for the 50th. Um, Harmonious, again, another nighttime spectacular also for um, the fiftieth and then Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Um, and that's that's it for Disney World. On the fiftieth anniversary, that's
1: it. I know. Um, like when back months ago, whenever we thought there was gonna be like an actual thing for the fiftieth, I was like, We have to have a podcast episode about it, all of the new stuff that's gonna happen. Yeah. And then it was like months went by and there was just no news there
0: was nothing and like even now with the as we're filming this it is September 29th and the 50th anniversary like the whole hullabaloo starts on the first and what we've got is Remy's Ratatouille Adventure which is a copy paste and place um, from Disney Paris and two new nighttime shows, which, other than the fireworks show, Disney World Magic Kingdom hasn't had a nighttime spectacular show that like that's similar to Fantasmic or World of Color. In
1: I don't even remember. I honestly I can't come up with anything. Not for the Magic Kingdom. Yeah,
0: that's right. As like it's the park. Right. And like Disney World hasn't had that. So like to get Disney Enchantment and Harmonious, two things that should have already been at Disney to just get that in terms of the 50th anniversary, like that's I don't know. I think it's embarrassing, honestly. It's it's kind of embarrassing. Honestly, I feel like Roy Disney is rolling around in his fucking grave right now.
1: You think Roy is? I think, well, like, Walt. Oh, because he, like, built Walt Disney World, sure.
0: Yeah, and obviously, like, I'm sure fucking Walt Disney is rolling around in his grave as well. Because I can only imagine how the current, like, Imagineer legends are feeling about all of this right now.
1: It just it just makes me mad because instead of investing the money um for the fiftieth into new attractions or new anything that would actually improve the parks, what they did was just make expensive merchandise that they know people are gonna buy, so they didn't have to take any new risks, yeah, they're just gonna reap the rewards, and everything's like you know a pretty pastel sparkly color that I like. But it just makes me mad because it's like the 50th anniversary. Why can't you do something good? That's what I'm
0: saying. Like other than the fact that it's the 50th anniversary, what is the point to go to Disney? Especially with all the changes that we had seen
1: in the costing structures. Oh god, yeah.
0: Like what it what truly what is the point? I don't see one.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like it's still fun, but Yes, it's a 1000% still fun. But I mean, I I retweeted this today because somebody said it on Twitter. But it's like, Disney's not going to change until we stop coming. And the fact that we just keep like handing over our wallets, even though they're like just not doing anything positive, that's just feeding into this whole situation. And I know that logically, but they've just got me. I'm just I'm on that fishing hook.
0: (laughs) They've got me effed up. There's a quote from Imagineering. Um, where it said where it basically like the concept of it is that like people are going to buy into it because it's Disney. That's not Disney values. I just sit and think about where Disney is at now with all of these changes and all of the news that we hear like on a day to day basis. It's like, are we ever going to get something as good as Animal Kingdom again? And it's it. I know that we will. I know that like this is just the way that things go. But it's really hard to believe that we will get something to in that caliber again.
1: Animal Kingdom is such an amazing park. And I, I learned a lot of interesting things from this episode that I didn't even know about Animal Kingdom. I love how perfectly imperfect Animal Kingdom is. Yes. The way that they themed everything to look like the forces of nature were like ravaging this park. In that there are, like, these signs of poverty. Yes.
0: Like, they made it look real. They made Animal Kingdom look real. Yeah. And not man-milled. milk. is
1: stuff like that. It's, like, that attention to detail that I don't – like, I I agree with you. I have trouble believing that, like, that attention to detail can be brought again. Yeah. Because, like, just the way they were making everything look weathered and, like, the mm-hmm. – the electrical wires that were, like, frayed and, like, thrown across things. And all of the design
0: details that, like, you wouldn't even think of. The fact that they basically built free-rate, like, what is meant to be a safari. And I know that there's a lot of, like, bad things about captivity. Like, I'm the first person to tell you that, like, I don't believe in zoos. I don't believe in zoos at all. But the fact that there was just so much thought put into, um... The Animal Kingdom Reservation, um, and the way that it was built, not just for uh human consumption, but also in a way that allows the animals to um live close as they can, I guess, to and maybe that's incorrect.
1: No, I think it's totally correct.
0: But I mean, I'm maybe it's incorrect I'm more so like that, like, I just don't like zoos, and I don't like how animals are kept in captivity, but also in terms of sure. reservations, in especially in Florida.
1: Land of Tiger King, yeah. Yeah,
0: there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong, and yes, like, Disney is a giant, massive company, and they tush- touched on this in Imagineering, that if one thing went- goes wrong, then, like, the spotlight is on them, but it's just that attention to detail that, like, I don't know is kind of missing from modern day Disney. Um, I said it earlier, like Galaxy's Edge. I feel like is the modern day Animal Kingdom, Open it, Land, and yes, we have that attention to detail and we have this amazing built land, amazingly built land. But it just also feels like empty, empty, right? Because yeah. it's just stores. It's just stores where you can buy. Star Wars merch, two rides, one that has, you know, a wait list of three days. The other one um, breaks down (laughs) a lot. And then the Millennium Falcon, which is beautiful, but I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to say, I got to go back to Animal Kingdom for a second. I have looked into how um, Disney treats its animals because I'm also, like, very against captivity. Um, but I actually think that Disney does probably the best job with their animals that any zoo could do. Yeah. Um, and they've done a lot, too, for, like, I hate the word breeding, but they've done a lot for, like, helping certain species, like, repopulate the gene pool. yeah.
0: I mean, the fact so, that they had Jane Goodall working with the an, with the team at Animal Kingdom, I
1: think just says a lot. Um, I know. And I had no idea that that happened. Yeah. And whenever she said, like, I don't like whenever people um, try to disparage good work that others are doing, I was like, yeah, she's on our side. Yeah. Jane Goodall knows. Jane like, Goodall knows. She's doing a good job with the animals. Yeah,
0: because it's like there are – there's so many – Things that could go wrong on this and like you said like the way that Disney treats their animals is some of the best work that I have seen for a zoo
1: yeah I can't believe that the rocks have air conditioning I didn't know that
0: I knew that they did enrichments but I didn't realize that they did enrichments in the form of like the way that actual like the way that animal kingdom was actually built
1: Oh, yeah. I actually did know that that the environments, like, mirror what the animal would, like, naturally have. Mm -hmm. So because of that, they aren't, like, stressed out or, like, in an artificial condition. It's just kind of like they just probably think that they're, like, roaming a savanna or whatever. Yeah. I think that's just great. I know. It makes me happy. It makes me happy, too. <laughs> what also made me happy was hearing everybody just like totally like rag on Pandora in a polite, nice way. Oh, I didn't get to that part, I don't think. But I do remember it briefly. They were, I'm trying to figure out where I wrote that down in my notes. But <laughs> they were talking about like, oh yeah, we all had no idea how Pandora was gonna work, and like if people even connected to Avatar and like yes. how oh, that was gonna work in the parks, but uh, you know, we found ways and i guess it does go with the story of animal kingdom kind of in a way you keep talking yourself into it (laughs) right
0: i mean it's that's why it's like in the far part of the park
1: yeah yeah i think pandora is like a totally gorgeous area but it's just weird
0: yeah it still doesn't make sense to me how pandora is in
1: animal kingdom but
0: we're just gonna roll with it because flight of passage is supposed to be one of the greatest rides of all time so it's very fun
1: I haven't been. I haven't gone. I didn't know it was, like, built the same as Soren. Oh! Until I watched this. Oh. Yeah. Noted.
0: Also, speaking about Soren, can we just talk about how they were like, uh, yeah, we kind of just made Soren, and we, like, I don't know,
1: we were playing with a toy and then we were like, what if we turn this into a ride? It was so casual. They were like, so California Adventure sucks and then we, like, decided we were just gonna, like, do this thing called Soren, and it turned out that was really good. There
0: you go.
1: And it's fine.
0: The part where they were building Disney, or rather, California Adventure, but also at the same time, a lot of money was being funded into Tokyo sea, Disney
1: C.: Oh, I didn't write down a thing about Tokyo Disney C. I forgot that that happened in these episodes.
0: <laughs> the contrast between the two. The contrast between the two, I think, is actually kind of crazy, because that goes back to my point about like what Imagineering is currently doing. Um, in terms of Disney World, there are approximately 16 projects, like actual projects that are being worked on right now, actively working on. Okay. There are three new projects for Disney World. So if we go down the list, Disney Enchantment and Harmonious, which are both going to Disney World, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, again, which um, I'm pretty sure is just an upgraded version of the Ratatouille ride from Disney Paris, Arendelle World of Frozen, which is going into Hong Kong Disneyland, The Toy Story Hotel that's going to be opening up in Tokyo, Disney. (laughs) Four of the new projects are part of the Disney Cruise ship line. So that's four new ships, I believe, um, or at least adjacent. The Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. Again, Arendelle World of Frozen, which is going into Walt Disney Studios Park, which is Disneyland Paris. So copy-paste place um Hong Kong Disney is getting a new Adventures experience Tokyo Disney Sea is going to is getting a Fantasy Springs um land which is similar to Fantasyland but because it's Tokyo Disney Sea it's going to have to be completely rethemed Disneyland is getting their own version of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway again copy-paste oh. place um Disney Paris is getting Avengers Campus, copy-paste place. Uh, DCA is getting uh, the Quinjet experience, another Avengers-themed experience. Um, Disneyland and Magic Kingdom are both getting the Princess and the Frog-themed attraction at some point. Uh, Magic Kingdom is getting the Tron light cycle run, run, which I'm pretty sure, again, is just an upgraded version, if not a copy-paste place as the ride from uh, Shanghai Disneyland. And then Epcot is getting Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, um, Play Pavilion, Journey of Water, and Wondrous China, which are all just, like, land upgrades. And then yeah. Shanghai Disney is getting Zootopia-themed area. How many times did I mention Disney World? Not that many. Not that many.
1: Why is it just like the forgotten child right now?
0: It's like, it's
1: not looking too good for Disney,
0: for home Disney parks.
1: I feel like it's just because they know they can charge whatever and people will still show up. Right. So it's like, like why
0: would we do anything
1: different? What's,
0: what, what is the point?
1: I would like to take this as an opportunity to talk about what they said about change. Guests expect everything to stay the same as it was the very first time that they visited whenever they were kids. But whenever there's no change, then the parks just become stale. And so change has to happen in order for the parks to like stay interesting and stay youthful. And they even said at one point, like whenever you come to a Disney park and it's different, then that actually makes you feel young because it's like, oh, this is... There's all of these new things. That I can go and experience. Yeah, they're like, Disney parks get better every time you go. They don't ever get old. So then it feels like you don't get old either. Every single time you go, it's like you're being a kid experiencing it for the first time. And I really like that sentiment because I think that people forget that. Like I think Disney fans don't really like to see change in the parks. But it it is a good thing whenever it's executed properly, right? Like when it's executed properly, properly, it's a great
0: thing. Like I look forward to all the changes in the parks because I'm like, oh, look at all of these things. You obviously right. don't want to stay stagnant, but also at the same time, as someone who doesn't get to go to Disney as nearly as much as I would have liked, as I would like to at this point in my life. I would obviously get excited about just going to Disney, but like also you lose the magic of going to Disney Mm -hmm. when it's kind of
1: just the same. I feel like the Imagineers really do love the parks as much as we do. I think the Imagineers a thousand percent, but I don't think leadership does. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, but then I thought you didn't have your headphones on. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: Yeah, I kept them off because I was like, wait, why do I need to wear my headphones in my own house?
1: Um no Yeah, that's no. my issue too. I just feel like it's a leadership that doesn't actually love the parks as much as we do. Cause I don't think they're actually park fans. This is my problem. Leadership is not a f- the C suite is
0: not a fan of Disney of Disney.
1: Nope. And that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah. I mean and it's it's obvious. It's so obvious.
0: <gasps> Until we get that inherent love of making magic. For everyone, Disney is going to feel wrong to us for a little bit.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It kind of made me realize just how important it was to find people who valued the same things as Walt did. Mm Mm-hmm. And the same values that the Imagineers did. Because the Imagineers are great group of people and they're so creative and I know that there can be so much more to come out of them and I just wish that you know the money was given to them just give them the
1: money
0: (laughs) give them the money you haven't like there's so you're getting so much you're going to tell me that propriety of ESPN isn't giving you enough funds ESPN National Geographic
1: I want to know how much it costs to just like make a ride because I have no idea. And I want to know, like, is it a hundred thousand dollars? Is it a million dollars? Is it a billion? Like where are we at? Well, okay. Let's look at million.
0: How much did rise?
1: I bet rise of the resistance costs a lot since it's so innovative.
0: The article that I have up, Costing at one billion dollars to produce, one billion. But I don't necessarily know if that's Galax- all of Galaxy's Edge, or if that's specifically Rise of the Resistance. Because the way that the the sentence is, it says costing around one billion each to produce. Galaxy's Edge opened first at Southern California's Disneyland in May. So I yeah. think Galaxy's Edge, the land itself, costs a billion. But I want like. I wonder how much Rise of the Resistance itself was.
1: Me too. That's a lot of dollars.
0: That is a lot of dollars.
1: I divided a billion
0: by a daily ticket. So that would be over 9 million days. Or, yeah, 9 million days. How many people would you say go to Disney a day?
1: 250,000.
0: That's 36 days of income. That's 36 days of profit. If Disney World is getting 250,000 attendants a day, each paying the most, which is a daily
1: ticket. Yeah, that's $27 million a day right there, just in park admission. Yeah. That is nuts. I don't feel bad about the billion dollars anymore spent to make Galaxy's Edge.
0: Disney, Disney will profit still.
1: You got a bunch of different income sources. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cr- – I you know, I've never thought about how much money they, like, make in a day before. That's crazy. I know that it costs a lot to operate the park. And that's literally just to get in. Co- yeah, that just, you're right. It doesn't count food or merch. Parking? It's $25 to park on Disney property, baby. Okay, so it costs $5 million per park per day to operate, roughly. So that's, like – okay, so I said they were making, what, $27 million a day? Just on park admissions. Not
0: including food, parking, experiences, like paid experiences,
1: merchandise. How is this real? What the heck? Should I open up a theme park? That's nuts. Yeah. Do you got investors? (laughs) I could find (laughs) some. Well, did it. I believe in myself too. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to bring my fire energy and just like believe. And to do it, like we got this. Believe it, achieve it, receive it. Ooh, we manifesting grinchers over here. We're <laughs> manifesting my theme park where I make $27 million a day in revenue. Must be nice.
0: How much does JPEG?
1: Don't look it up. It's going to make you mad. Do you want to know how much you made in total compensation? Yeah, tell me. $14 million. Fourteen. Million million dollars, fourteen million. fourteen million. What would you even do if you made fourteen million dollars? I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, exactly. Like fourteen million—that's so much. Yeah, I mean, not to go all Mother Teresa, but I would like literally be like, "We are giving this back to the cast members." No, <laughs> like not even like
0: cast members. I'll settle
1: for a million, guys. It's fine,
0: just one million. <laughs> like one million a year would is more than enough. Because it's like, how many yachts do you need? Like, what are you spending your money on?
1: I have no idea. Like, okay, so you have a housekeeper, you have a yacht, maybe you need a second yacht. You got to have the auxiliary yachts. Yeah, like maybe a house, maybe two houses. Sure. I have a swimming pool and like a team of gardeners. I've spent now like, you know, what, like a couple million?
0: (laughs) I just, I don't, where is this money going and why isn't it being funded into
1: the Imagineering? I don't know. Well now I'm upset and I have a headache. okay, well, I have some things that will hopefully turn around okay, okay, so to move on from the painfulness um I really liked how the documentary talked about how much Disney and Disney parks specifically mean to fans and to imagineering where where are you by the way are you like lying down on the floor? I hear okay
0: <laughs> I'm just like my back hurts and my
1: felt like this was really evident whenever they talked about how tokyo disneyland had to reopen following the tsunami for the whole country to heal yes my heart is a sign of happiness yeah a sign of happiness and a sign that they were able to move on now yeah the other thing i really loved about this docu series is that i've always felt like the parks were kind of like the core of disney as a company even though Disney has movies and TV shows and merchandise and whatever, and they've had all these extraneous things like Radio Disney and other stuff.
0: (laughs) Radio Disney.
1: (laughs) I've always felt like the parks was really the heart of it. And it was nice to kind of hear that echoed in this.
0: I agree. I think the movies that we get, the shows that we get, you know, all of these worlds that Disney gives to us are amazing. But there's just something about living that story yourself and being fully, like, yeeted into a super, like,
1: immersive world. Yeah. I've tried to articulate before how the parks make me feel, but I've never heard it said by, like, anyone else besides the two of us. Mm -hmm. And whenever they said in the documentary that the message of the parks – is just, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I felt so, like, seen and understood in that moment because they talked about how the message of the parks is really this message of comfort and this message of reassurance. And it's, you know, it's like the parks are there, like, year after year, no matter what you're going through.
0: Right. Like, you'll always find a home at Disney.
1: No yeah, more, and you'll always find a home at Disney.
0: You'll always find – and. This is not everyone's experience, obviously, but, like, there's never a sad moment to be at Disney, like, when you're at Disney. You can't be sad at Disney. You can be frustrated. You can be frustrated (laughs) as hell, but you have an alternative to that, and that's literally just being at Disney. Being at Disney is much better than the reality that you have to face with every single day.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: And I just want to be able to say that comfortably without saying, like, but... X, Y, Z is annoying and upsetting me. Yeah,
1: Well, it's hard to separate my feelings from current day Disney and then like the Disney in my heart, (laughs) but it's because of all of this. It's because Disney feels like my home. Like that feels like the most important place to me, which I know sounds nuts, but it is what it is.
0: (laughs) You're also part of a group of people who
1: did grow up at
0: Disney, not by going with your family on a vacation, et cetera, et cetera. But like you were part of the DCP program and DCP happens during like some of our most formative years. Like you truly grew up at Disney. So it is your home. Like that is an incredibly important place for you, separate to what it is for me.
1: I just think we both connect to it in our own ways, and I feel like a part of me is just, like, with the Disney parks. Yeah. I realize I sound crazy saying all of this, but this is a Disney podcast, this so Disney like, podcast. you should know what you're getting into.
0: At least your ashes aren't in the dumpster outside of Haunted Mansion.
1: <laughs> they are not, and they never will be, because I do not want that fate for myself. No. being dumb for the poor cast members. <laughs> like,
0: disrespectful.
1: It really is. Disrespectful. Yeah. Anyone. Anyway. Yeah, that's why I, you know, that's why we're critical because we love it and because it hurts us. It does, and like at the end of the day, like we just want
0: Disney to have the same like fondness. Like I want to have the same fondness of Disney when I say like I really want to go to Disney mm-hmm. right now that I know that I still have um, of Disney of the past,
1: and if we go based on what we learned in Imagineering. I think that eventually we will exit this period and enter into a new one where Imagineering is really able to shine and has the support from the company that it needs. Yes, yes. I'm very excited for
0: the next Disney Renaissance. (laughs) I'm very, very excited. And I feel like the next couple of years are going to be a little iffy, but I'm very excited to see... What, how Disney comes out
1: of this dark time? I am too. Yeah. It's gonna be just really amazing, whatever it does. Right, exactly.
0: I'm gonna be so happy. So, 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 so happy.
1: Wow. Do you have any other thoughts on Imagineering before we close this one up?
0: No, I just feel like everyone should watch Imagineering, especially if they're feeling a little bit down on the current state of the company. That spark is still there just being shrouded um thank you guys for listening to our little baby rant um you can find us on our instagram and on our twitter our instagram is an extremely goofy podcast <laughs> and our twitter is
1: extremely goofy and the o's are zero
0: um
1: thank you guys so much for listening i'm lexi i'm ashlyn thanks for listening uh sorry if this was sad we are trying to not be sad but alas <laughs> here we are anyway see you guys next time goodbye